Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, beginning at verse 35. So listen for the word of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip also found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one about whom Moses and the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see the heavens opened and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There once was a a grumpy old man. He lived in the same town in the south his whole life, watched his children grow there, and he knew the contours of the community like the back of his hand. As he aged, he took to a simpler life, spending days on his front porch in an old rocking chair, sipping sweet tea and watching folks pass by. And any time someone stopped to greet him, especially if it was someone he didn't know, he would start with the same three questions. What's your name? Where are you from, and what's your daddy do? Everything he needed to know about you, he thought he could get from those three simple questions. And they were genuine, to be sure, but they were also a test, a a kind of vetting of whether or not you belonged. 
If he thought you didn't fit, he'd say something like, boy, you ain't from around here. Now, I don't think the disciples drank sweet tea, but they could have been sitting in rocking chairs on the porch with that man because they were asking the same kinds of questions about Jesus. John the Baptist, fresh off the scene of baptizing Jesus, saw Jesus walking by and says, look, there is the Lamb of God. And if there's any chance that Jesus was still trying to fly under the radar, that ship had sailed. John the Baptist was not going to let that happen. And the story goes that two of John's disciples began to follow Jesus. I have always read this story as if they just dropped everything and blindly followed, and maybe they did. But John's account seems to reveal that they were curious. And as much as they trusted John the Baptist, they needed to know something about Jesus beyond a title, even one as grand as Lamb of God. And as they began walking alongside Jesus, they asked him, where are you staying? But theologian Gilberto Ruiz argues that what they were really asking, if, if we had a more accurate translation, what they were really asking is, where are you from? And Jesus, in classic fashion, replies not to their question with an answer, but with an invitation. Come and see, he says. As they proceed toward Galilee, Jesus began to invite others as well, as you heard, and each of them respond to this invitation of discipleship with some measure of curiosity. If you're going to follow someone, you'd like to know a little bit about them. So Andrew and Philip join the journey, and as they do, they spot their friend Nathaniel, and they introduce Jesus the way this porch-rocking southerner, grumpy old man, would have appreciated to the questions, what's your name, where are you from, what's your daddy do? They say, this is Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth. And you can imagine the next exchange, right? The Messiah is Joseph the carpenter's kid? Yeah, that's the one. And you say he's from Nazareth, that little town? Can anything good come from there? And Philip borrows Jesus' line and just says, come and see. We, of course, don't know whether Philip is certain of Jesus' identity as Messiah or whether he just didn't want to go on this adventure alone. But what we do know is that they were vetting Jesus. Isn't that what all of us do with the question, where are you from? At its best, we're looking for points of connection. Oh, that small town, that's where my grandmother grew up. Oh, I've been to that town. They have really great barbecue. Our place of origin, where we're from, is an integral part of who we are because we are connected to place as much as we're connected to people. We ask the question, where are you from, because we're trying to make meaning through relationship with one another and with the ground beneath our very feet. It matters where we're from. It's been 20 years since I've lived in Kansas, but if you ask me that question, in fact, we did in the new members class this morning, I said, I'm from Topeka, Kansas. And I would imagine that each of you, when you hear that, immediately either thought of your best Wizard of Oz joke, or you became prepared to tell me about that one time you drove through the state of Kansas and how boring it was. And a few of you will have a family member or a friend who lives in some small western town in Kansas that's hundreds of miles from where I grew up, and you'll say, but maybe you know him. 
And maybe, maybe knowing where I'm from will bring us into deeper relationship. But sometimes we ask the question, where are you from, because we already have assumptions and judgments about each other. When I went off to college in North Carolina, I was one of four students from the state of Kansas, and everyone had immediate assumptions about me. They all assumed that I grew up on a farm. I didn't. And that I had seen a tornado. I have. But mostly, they thought that I was probably like a country girl who was less smart or worldly than the rest of them, and passively, even if they didn't say it, wondered how in the world I got in in the first place. Nathaniel certainly had preconceived notions about Jesus. Can anything good come from Nazareth, he asks. We hear that question with the benefit of knowing the end of the story. We hear it and say, yes, of course something good can come from Nazareth. Jesus is from there. But if we were standing in Nathaniel's shoes at the beginning of Jesus' ministry with this man that others are calling the Messiah but who can't seem to answer a straight question, Nathaniel's rightly skeptical. He doesn't know Jesus, but he knows Nazareth, and he assumes nothing good can come from there. How quickly do we write one another off because of our origins? You're not from the right part of town. You're not from a good neighborhood. You don't look like you're from there. Where are you really from? You grew up in Harlem or the south side of Chicago or Appalachia? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel's questions hit me at the core because he carries the judgment that all of us carry whether we care to admit it or not. If we met Jesus today, we might have exactly the same kind of skepticism. We know Jesus as Savior and Messiah, but we don't spend a lot of time reflecting on his humble origins. He didn't come from the center of religious or economic or political power. He was a refugee. He came from among the poor. He grew up in Nazareth, this little Galilean town that was populated by Jews and Gentiles of a wide variety of ethnicities. And while that kind of diversity might sound good to us today, it would have led the Judean Jews that he was recruiting as his disciples to regard him as less pure. The Messiah is not supposed to come from there. Good doesn't come from those parts. So God doesn't come from those parts. But Nathaniel, he had just enough curiosity to respond to Philip's invitation to come and see. And something transformational happened on the road. They overcame the barriers and assumptions of place that were keeping them apart. Jesus doesn't deny his roots in Nazareth, but he knows that he and Nathaniel are connected on a deeper level. Where Nathanael looked upon Jesus with judgment, Jesus looked upon Nathanael with love, a love that drew them in. Where Nathanael sees Jesus as a questionable Nazarite, Jesus sees Nathanael as a faithful Jew, one who belongs not to a particular city or province, but who is from God. It's not that Jesus doesn't care where we're from, it's that Jesus knows where we are from. We are ultimately all from the dirt and the breath of God. And anyone who comes from God, which is all of us, bears inherent worth. 
So Nathaniel's little bit of curiosity gives way to deep connection, and his answer changes from judgment to praise because they've found these common roots to share. If we asked our porch-rocking introductory questions again, Nathaniel would now say, Jesus is of Nazareth, but Son of God, maker of heaven and earth. In Jesus' origin, we find all our origin. It's not that we deny Jesus' roots in Nazareth, but Jesus calls us to remember our common story grounded in the God who made us. He takes us back through the particularities of all our stories, our hometowns, our genealogies, our roots in colonialism and slavery, our stories of high class or humble roots, our connection to past places, all the way back to our common story, which is creation. Through Jesus, we're brought back to our true home. We are from the dirt, and we are from God. From the beginning, God knelt down in the garden, put God's hands in the soil, and formed Adam from the dirt, formed Adam from Adamah in the Hebrew. And God breathed God's breath, the divine spirit, into each of us, and we became living beings. As much as we use our geography to separate us, our relationship with the ground beneath our feet is what brings us together. Our relationship to God, the gardener who formed us from the earth and gave us breath, gives us a common story. And maybe you're thinking, Katie, this is all a nice intellectual exercise, great biblical teaching, but um, why does that even matter for us as disciples today? But for a country that feels so divided I don't think it could matter anymore. We are all guilty of finding our ways to retreat into tribal camps that keep us apart. And we're not to deny our differences or our particularities or our geography, but Jesus' encounter with Nathaniel calls us to find the places where our stories meet. As we ask the questions I've been meaning to ask— we're charged to listen not for the things that separate us, but for the things that we share. Not for the political and social and economic differences that invite judgment. Nothing good could come from there. But for the points of intersection where we share common roots. Lyle Gwingarity, who's one of the artists with Sanctified Art that helped curate the series we're doing this month, reflected on this particular question and she shared this story. She said in the middle of the November 2020 election, her next door neighbor walked out to his front yard one day while she was planting shrubs in hers. And political signs for two opposing candidates stood like silent silhouettes behind them. And though they had shared lots of small talk over the years, on this particular day, her neighbor leaned over the fence that divided them and complimented her rhododendrons. And then he said, you know, I've never asked, do you have any family in the area? And so Lyle talked about her cousins who live nearby and her parents who quit their job to move to the mountains as newlyweds and the generations who had come to spend their years there. And he told her about his large family, the many cousins and siblings who have called the mountains home. 
And after a while, they went back to their houses, and she returned to her shrubs, and she acknowledges that their conversation did not reconcile any of their worldview differences. But he essentially said to her, you know, I've been meaning to ask, where are you from? And in that moment of curiosity and listening, they realized that they're from the same dust, and that dust to one day they will return. They asked the same questions that the porch-rocking Southerner at the beginning of uh, the sermon asked, but the tone of their conversation happened without an air of judgment. They spoke with curiosity, maybe just for a brief moment, but they saw that connection in the beauty of the rhododendron in their yard, in the ground beneath their feet, in their identity in God. The healing of our communities and our nations is admittedly way more complicated than a simple conversation across a fence in the backyard. It's going to require something of us, of our resources, of our spirits, of ourselves. But to follow Jesus requires us to be willing to cross boundaries, cross fences, to go to the margins, to be changed by those kinds of encounters. We do not jump to any political issue or to big transformative change for racial justice or housing equality or systemic poverty in a vacuum. Real transformation happens along the road to discipleship that Philip and Nathaniel walked through relationship with the God who made us all. For all of us who have been wrestling with what kind of big project we might take on under the Matthew 25 initiative, I can tell you that this is a season of discernment. It requires patience and listening. And I cannot tell you exactly where that journey will take us or where it will end, but I can tell you that it mattered how Nathaniel and the disciples' journey began. And it matters how we begin. So this week, I charge you to ask with genuine curiosity and an open part, who are you and where are you from? And listen for the ways that you are connected to one another and the God who made us all. Amen.